welcome to Sonic Talk, episode 480, today recording Wednesday the 8th of February 2017. Uh, this is the podcast that talks about all things music, technology, synthesizers, electronic music production, uh, DAWs, live production, software, anything you care to fancy, and all the sort of ancillary subjects that surround it. So sit back. If this is your first time, we'll be on there for about an hour or so. And uh, thanks to our brilliant sponsors, there'll be a competition later where you can win a copy of Isotopes Neutron, the uh, mixing assistant plugin. Uh, so do stay tuned for that. And if you're if, if you're not subscribed to the channel, I heartily encourage uh, you to do so because we've uh, not only did you might have missed the hundred or so NAM videos we just posted, which will probably talk a little bit about later but also there's a lot more stuff coming up there's a system 8 uh, pre, uh, review a Roland system 8 I've got the Artoria matrix brew you know that's the kind of stuff that we look at so uh, please do and I will say uh, it's also because we're not far off our 100k subscribers and I really want to get there this year uh, as soon as possible so I can have a play button just here and it's a magic <laughs> number anyway those chuckles you heard are the first of my guests we'll start with Mr. Richard Hilton who's uh, over there in Connecticut who is um Keyboard player for Chic, works with Nile Rogers in the studio, does all sorts of stuff. Probably just back. I, you were in London on Saturday night, I believe, for a party. And so was I, bizarrely. But yours, I, I couldn't do both. Uh, playing, ah. playing with Chic. How are you, Rich? Very well, thank you. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, a good trip? Did you get a chance to kind of uh, enjoy London or was it in and out? In and out. In and out, yeah, sometimes. I that- mean, I always enjoy London uh, and I'd never seen this particular magnificent place this scion park castle which is where this Mm. event was held uh it was really an amazing amazing place and an amazing event Ah, and it went really well i've never heard of that place that sounds sounds like an interesting venue anyway we'll come back to you shortly i'll introduce the second of our two guests mr gaz williams uh live from bristol uh gaz bass player producer uh dancer uh, and also uh, music technologist. How are you, Gaz? Yeah, I, I'm really, really, really happy to be here today, actually. I've been dying to be on the show for ages. And, yeah, it's um, been a while. Yeah. I can't think. It's must, well, because we had a couple of weeks out over Christmas and then obviously for now. Mm-hmm. So it's been, it must have been a month. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's just lo- too long. Loads of stuff happens, doesn't it, in a month in music technology, especially over the NAM period. Yeah, well, that's that's true oh. enough. That is true enough. So, um <laughs> Well, I thought we may as well get... Oh, actually, I should also say hi to our chat room, which is... A, oh, that's not the chat room. That's the chat room. Uh, a bit depleted. Uh, we're working on getting the IRC server working up again, and there are some of you who are probably in the, uh, uh, the YouTube uh, discussion area. In fact, there's a lot of people there, so uh, thanks for hanging in there. We will get that sorted out. But anyway... Um, yeah, Nam. So uh, I guess we should come to you, Gaz, first, because you're, you know, we spoke to Rich last week and he had his picks and stuff. Um, you wrote a little column as well. So, you know, you're kind of tuned in to what, what you thought was great from there. So have you got any kind of picks, that is anything you'd like to chip in before we, uh, before, before we get on? <laughs> well, I know you've gone into it in some depth, but the um, Dreadbox Abyss is something that has given me the drool, you know. <laughs> that I mean, you know, I love my Erebus so much. So seeing that and just seeing how just, you know, what a brilliant thing with the, you know, effects built into it. Beautiful, brilliant thing. I'm just, I want one. Ah, <laughs> but, um, okay. Yeah. So other than that, I mean, that was from a personal point of view. Other from that, I thought the waveform thing was very interesting. That's traction sort of changing into waveform and um, being demonstrated running on a Raspberry Pi. Something I've really looked forward to that notion for a while now. And this idea that they're developing a a little 
card, an audio card that essentially can couple, uh, not through USB, but directly. Uh, I think I don't know. Is that through the pins, or I'm not sure. Ah, the, yeah, board. no, I don't know. There's, there's, there are a few connections on a Raspberry Pi. It could be right. one, uh, any one, uh, any one of those sets that gives really high quality in and out, or I say really high quality, you know, audio quality. I think, from what I gather, you know, decent pro quality connection. So that little board then with Raspberry Pi and being able to run waveform headless as well, being able to run it. I put in it into as a recording it. box, effectively. Yeah, as a recording box, build samplers, build synthesize, put it. You know, just wow. You know, I think and so cheap and so accessible. It's like, oh, I thought that was really now that's kind of tiny, tiny, small news in some ways, but I think it's huge news personally. Yeah, um, micro devices, single purpose micro devices mm-hmm, on yeah. common hardware. Not a bad yeah. idea. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I think that that you know that was that was one of my big things, and a few other things. I mean, obviously the uh, electron uh, digitact I think looks great in that I think it's just exactly what they should be making. Yeah, and it's a good and it's a good price point. It's still quite expensive in some ways compared to some other things, but for it's electron, electron, it's not. Yeah, that's going to be great. It is going to be that will be a great drum machine. It'll probably I think be set the standard for digital drum machines. I think it could do, uh, couldn't it? It could do. Yeah, that's I, my feeling. Yeah, I mean, because mm. I'm just trying to think what else. I mean, obviously, we've got. I mean, the NPCs are not really digital drum machine. Well, they are, but they're not just that. Whereas the Digitact is what yeah. it looks like, just going to be that, right? Yeah, I mean, but you know, but it's similar price. It's a little bit cheaper though to the NPC Live. So I mean, in a way, the NPC Live just bashes it. You know, left. If that's what you want, it? yeah, I suppose it does. If that's what you want, yeah, but. The more thing, you know, the idea of this just drum machine, just the, like the whole notion of a drum machine with all the terrific electron sequencing tricks built in and uh, a decent amount of sample RAM for a drum machine and the gigabyte storage inside it as well, you know, does mean that you could load it up with just the very best stuff. Uh, and therefore, you know, as a drum machine, brilliant i don't expect it to be a player's thing i'm not sure even if those uh pads are velocity sensitive you know so i think yeah, they don't are know. Just still, bo- details are still very scarce that's true yeah there's uh someone has gone on from electron onto the electron forum and has given a little bit more information about it since uh now because um and I think pretty much something that's been confusing people is the the term of eight audio tracks uh thinking that there is a digital drum synth in there i don't believe there is i think it is a sample based uh it it is it is a sample based machine i might be wrong about that but that's what i think that the uh the forum post was alluding to but still that's getting into the nitty-gritty i think the thing is it looks brilliant and oh yeah, I should uh, just do a little bit of a his his uh free yeah that's what it's going to look like close up and personal yeah it's got like uh yeah there we are Electron machines have a real sense of purpose. You know, they're not particularly the most easiest things to use, as as most people kind of know, but they are incredibly rewarding in that they really do do what they do and they sound terrific. So I think, um, you know, yeah, I think when that comes out, I think for certain people, I think that is going to be almost like a dream box, actually. I think. Yeah. Box. 
That's I think that's a fair a fair comment for sure. Uh, there were a few other little stragglers I didn't get a chance to talk about. One of them was uh, this Antsman's. I don't know if you saw this. The Antsman uh, Pro Audio Batteries, which is a, on the face of it, it's kind of a dull concept, but actually, these little double A's are super powerful. In fact, these ones are the Maxi Pros, which aren't as powerful, but they have a very long life. Uh, actually, uh, let me just grab. I got a set. <laughs> these up and you can have a look. I got a set of these as well, uh, which they they just said try them out. And these these are two twenty eight fifty milliamp hour double A's, and these are kind of for high uh, they're, they're for sort of high output, long lasting. I think they last up to fourteen hours in like a radio mic. They only got three hundred charges in them, but they're only about five bucks more expensive than. Um, than a set of you know lithium ions, which are the best ones that we. That's what we use, and and I think they, the one thing that they were talking about was they, they they just have all these testimonials from people that used to spend thousands and thousands of dollars or pounds on double A's for their artists for their in ear monitoring for all of that stuff, and they've just kind of cut their battery cost and therefore recycling issues mm. uh, massively. And I just think it's a very small thing, but it's actually really cool. I don't know, uh, Rich. I mean, you, you use in ears, don't you? And presumably you have. Are they um, powered? They're presumably powered by double A's as well. Have you heard of these Antsmans? Because everybody uh, I've said, I just heard about these, go, yeah, I know about them. And I'm like, oh, I thought I discovered something. <laughs> I hadn't heard about them. And I spent some time this morning looking at them. And uh, almost, I'm, I'm this close to pulling the trigger on, on these. I have to buy a charger if I do. But um, I don't really need them for the purpose that you're describing. And they do have another model that has many more recharges and lasts, I think, a bit longer. Yeah, that's I, these I guys, the Max E Pros, which are the, yeah, the, the, and those guys. They yeah. say those are really good, just normal alkaline behavior replacements. Uh, and maybe I'll, I've done this before, maybe I'll do it. You don't seem to Oh, <laughs> you don't seem to have Siri. any, so you Siri don't seem to have any batteries, like, Rich. <laughs> Siri joined in for a second there. Wow, look at that. Bless her. Bless her. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, the, the Maxi Pros, uh, without getting too sort of nerdy about it, the Maxi Pros last longer. They hold the charge. So if you charge them up and leave them for a year, that's something like 1% a month discharge they've got, whereas the ones, these ones that I was showing okay. you are uh, much stronger, but they, they discharge at like 5% a week or something. So they're for kind of continual use. But, I mean, it's going to be a right. massive saving for us. The ones you're holding recharge, I think, 300 times, and the yeah. ones that the other ones recharge like 2,000 times or something. Yeah, but that's it, right. So they have less milliamp each. Yeah, they have less milliamp. But this is kind of a big deal. And they do do different uh, sizes as well, Gaz. I mean, you know, you can get PP3s and uh, Cs and D types and that sort of stuff, but they're less easy uh, to get hold of, I think. I've got, I mean, I've got loads of AA batteries here, and I, I've been switching over to Eniloop. Uh, over the last few years um because they're really gorgeous colors loads of really nice colors <laughs> and, that, and that you know i'm a sucker for that i think the colors you know i'd rather have the batteries uh run out five minutes earlier but be pretty colors no that's a stupid <laughs> thing to say <laughs> no, um, depends on which five are. minutes they are don't they yeah <laughs> um and what yeah, the colors are good point. yeah <laughs> um but yeah, the Eneloops are brilliant, though. The Eneloops have got that slow discharge. What are they called? Memory batteries, don't they? Yeah, I'm they're, not sure what it is, but yeah. Yeah, they're great in things like Volkers, you know. Yeah, that's where you could see these sort of things being useful. You don't need them all the time, but it's brilliant when you power it on and it comes alive, you know. Um, but the, 
2850 you're talking about, they will discharge reasonably quickly. You've got to charge them just prior to what you need them for, though, aren't you? Right, yeah, I think so. But, I mean, and, certainly uh, for I'm us, I mean, I, I, I took 40 batteries with me to NAM for the team. So, you know, it would be a bigger outlay, but they would be, I could use them uh, for, you know, probably a couple of years. And because I'm not going to use them all that often as long as I leave them in the right state. So, I mean, that's going to be a save, ultimate saving, yeah. And you have smart chargers, so they charge each battery individually, so you get a kind of completely, uh, you know, intelligent. Anyway, it's not the most fascinating of subjects, but I think it's actually quite an important one. So I just wanted to point yeah. out, it's uh, you can find them at, let me see where it is, it's Ansman, uh, two ends on the end, dash pro, dash audio.com, and you can get all the gubbins from there. And I think a lot of the you know, major retailers in the US stock them as well. So you can get them. And there's loads of videos of people going, I can't believe how much money. In fact, one thing they did say is they, they put um, Cirque du Soleil on them, who used to get through something like 50,000 batteries a year. They're now down to 5,000. And they're saving a massive amount of money. You can get these kind of rack chargers that will do 16 at a time and what have you. So, yeah, although I bet they're expensive. So, anyway, that was that. That was gonna. Uh, there was another thing that uh, came out of NAM, which I'm not sure that we uh, necessarily saw. And that was, did you see the uh, SoftTube Console One price drop, forty percent off now, five nine nine US, and also controls uh, some and probably more UAD plugins, which is actually hmm, it's getting kind of interesting. I know uh, we had a look at one of those, but we didn't ever kind of get to get to the final furlong with that. Well, but. We did a review of it, didn't we? But there was a sort of a slight disagreement. There's a philosophical on. disagreement. A yeah. Philosophical disagreement. Uh, but yes, so I spent quite a bit of time with the console one and thought it was a very, very good, uh, very nice thing. But and I think my criticisms, I think, even would would still be uh, the same. However, lessened somewhat with this. I think the price point is so much better. It was quite an expensive item. Saying that. It feels like an expensive item, so I think that is a you know it did feel like a, a premium item. So I think that's cool. I, I I hope they don't lower the build quality of it to meet that price point because I think the build quality is lovely. Um, the fact that it's going to control UAD, there's something quite nice about that, isn't there? Hardware controlling sort of DSP software and it just being something all uh, tangible and in front of you. Yeah, for sure. Nice, nice, nice. I think. Um, I'm going through a little bit of a, not an anti-UAD phase, but I got stung before with powered plugins. Sorry, going off track. I'll come back very quickly. Uh, and UAD stuff, it seems to be, the graphics of them seem to be so seductive to people, you know. Um, but, you know, and, and operating the graphic, the graphical interface seems to be a big selling point of the UAD stuff because you know I think sound-wise they're great. There's nothing wrong with them, but there's other things. Um, there's other things equally as good in my opinion. But um, having that hardware control of it takes it into a different league. Then yeah, I know. I totally agree. I know, Rich. Yes. Uh, Rich, you're in the box a lot, aren't you? So I mean, have you considered something like this? I mean, I don't think there's anything that's actually quite like this in terms of having that level of control over your standard kind of signal route. If you were if you were using it, unless you were you know mapping all those controls yourself. I mean, obviously it works with soft tube plugs and UA some UAD, but not a lot of others. I have troubles with this product. Oh, just on the face of it, and I haven't operated it, so I could be sold. But I, there is a lot about 
what the decisions they made that are not the decisions I would make. So I would need to actually physically operate it and, and feel it and love all of their stuff that much. Also, while I'm thrilled that they've incorporated UAD and I get everything Gaz is saying about the seductive nature of a familiar visual interface, you don't get to see that interface. In fact, their interface is even compromised. You're basically flying blind when you use the UAD stuff. And that, to me, I hope they're all sitting down because I love their stuff, is half-baked. <laughs> um, and I think you got to fully bake this thing. Just show us UAD's graphics. I, it must be really hard to do because they're yeah, not I, doing it. I, it would, if it was easy to do, I figure they just would have done that. Um, and the fact that it doesn't operate their graphics in the same way that their stuff does, it's not a surprise, and I'm not disappointed. I'm not mad about it. It's just that you're basically flying blind when you run the thing, and that's not – I mean, there is some numerical readout that I saw on their screen that indicates what's happening when you're turning a knob. So you are actually interfacing with it, and there is something that looks like something, but there's nothing like – no, I think what you do get is what? the EQ curve, if it's an EQ. But yes, and perhaps if it's other things, it may not be as No, familiar. they take away the curve. They just leave the FFT part. Ah. They okay. take away the curve. And uh, it's probably because their software that draws the curve doesn't interact with each individual UAD plugin in order to be able to show you that. And that's it's all sort of understandable, but show me something. Yeah, in an yeah, ideal I world. Kind of like, I, I show take... me something. And... Uh, I, like I say, I'd need to operate. I'm not sure about those 20 buttons being behind all those knobs. There's a bunch of things about it that I'm not sure about that I'd need to operate. And if they want to send me one, I'll sit here and I'll figure it out. But um, <laughs> but would I and, – and actually, yes, the price point is really nice now. They've dropped it to 500 and I hear mm. the build quality is great. And when I got near the thing, it looked like a solid piece of gear to me. So mm. I'm prepared to be sold, but I'm not sold yet. Okay. That's a fair they, point. They That's a fair point. They they have increased the brightness of the LEDs, I believe, as well. Because I, I think, think that so, was yeah. Something, you know, in the first one, they, they, you know, it's very kind of so very kind of serious and slick looking piece of kit with this kind of quite dim LEDs, which was quite nice for that. But in reality, you had to sort of move around a bit to actually see <laughs> the LEDs. So I think if they've made those LEDs a little bit stronger, you know, that'll be that'll make it a bit better. But um, the one thing I wanted to say, sorry, I was a little bit confusing about what I was trying to point I was trying to make earlier, but. Um, when you use the console one, really, the way they want you to use it is to insert it into every single track. So uh, if, you know, buying something like this, I think is an, a certain investment, but you do have to put that investment into your workflow as well. If you don't insert it into every track, it starts to get slightly confusing to use it. So I think that's the thing that was a kind of a worry for me. Not so much, it's not a deal breaker, or maybe it is a deal breaker, but that uh, that you just do have to incorporate it, you know. Right. Create. I got so you. you can do this with a template, maybe. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I see. Uh, uh, but, so, I, what do you think it is about Scandinavians and enforcing workflows that uh, uh, without flexibility? Because <laughs> it seems to be a recurring theme, don't you think? I mean, it's, uh, with, wow. with with Electron, you know, it's like this way. I mean, this is the way. It does. I, you know, it's an interest. I, it's, I, I, the Swedes are very kind of yes, we like it being this way and very kind of. Uh, but at the same time, the country also creates know. people who do the exact opposite as well. So I think it's a, it's a funny one, Sweden. Sweden, the people, 
the Swedes are the greatest, though. I, I love them to bits. Yeah, I, I, we should say that we, we're not we're, we're not trying to get into general, generalizations, but it, it, it's not the first time that this has come up. That's all I was just saying. Anyway, <laughs> Rich is looking like he probably wants to exit the program <laughs> at this point. Some of my best friends. Oh yes, um, absolutely. And I, I think that electron stuff is actually brilliant once you dive into yeah. it. My big my biggest problem is what they're showing you, not what it does. Yeah. Um, and. Uh, and that isn't even that big a problem. But there's, I really think their stuff is wonderful, and I applaud their innovation. My friends at XLN Audio who do all that addictive drums, addictive keyboard stuff, is are they just released the trigger program. I love those guys. There's just a lot of cool innovation. That is true. Yeah. And, and I would say it's all quite brilliant. It's not like it's bad. It's... You know, I wasn't nah. trying to imply that at all. Anyway, I, I'm backpedaling now. Can you tell? Sure As I moved away from the microphone. I think it's, I'm not sure there's a pattern here. Okay, fair enough. I'll, I'll take that on the I think they get really into the, they're so into design. They're so yeah, into well, design. Yeah, well, that's true so, enough. So they'll design a workflow and like, you know, wow, and that workflow's brilliant, but you do have to kind of sort of. You have to be, be, on board, be on board. But it is, I think it is because the depth of their design, you know, they go, you know, and this, that's. Yeah, maybe you're right there. Uh, I think maybe it's time for a, uh, a brief interlude while I try and regroup and uh, gain some sort of, uh, um, yeah, some sort of respect for myself and from our listeners. So ooh, I'll just have a little word from our sponsors. Uh, it's always nice to hear from them. And uh, here they come. This is, of course, Isotope. This is Neutron. which is a suite of kind of plugins and features that allow you to analyze your mix, figure out graphically kind of where the holes are, where the conflicts are frequency-wise, and then act accordingly. It gives you plenty of tips on maybe how you want, might want it. figures out, oh, this is a bass guitar. Maybe you want to try considering this EQ and this processing. This is the masking, uh, masking meter, which shows you where the conflicts are and how you might be able to resolve them, which, you know, as many of us find with mixing, I still, I, I mean, I'm not really a mix engineer, but I find it quite difficult sometimes to know what's going on. And this really helps evaluate that whole process and kind of gives you another perspective on it, which, uh, you know, we can all do with, right? I mean, we listen to it on headphones, buds, in the car, <laughs> on various different speakers, from the other room, and this is just yet another aspect of that whole process, which may well end up in resulting in your mixes just being better. And if you want to check it out, you go to isodope.com forward slash neutron. And you can get hold of a demo from there. And actually, uh, we have competition. Now, last week, we asked you to uh, tweet the hashtag uh, Mix It Better and Neutrons at Sonic State and Isto Inc. And I got a winner. And the winner is a chap called Angry Bonbon. This is the Twitter handle at Angry Bonbon. And it, she just says, or she has says, help me mix better. I have cloth ears, which I think is, you know, that's that's a fair point. It's probably quite similar to mine. Mine aren't quite cloth, but they're, they, they certainly have uh, have difficult deciphering mixes uh, from time to time right and we should say that there is another competition this week uh, to win isotope neutron what you have to do is tweet the hashtag the mix champ thought i'd get kind of a bit more kind of uh, pizzazz to this uh, the mix champ it's all one word and the hashtag neutron that's n-e-u-t-r-o-n to at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc. If you tweet those very words, uh, you can also add pictures and uh, comments and stuff. Everybody does look at these things. Uh, then you will be entered to the competition and you will have a chance to win a full copy of Neutron, which will they will uh, send your way should you be the lucky winner. Once again, we thank 
Isotope for their continued sponsor of the show. Very much appreciated. Right, Gaz, I'm guessing this one might be something that you're excited about, uh, which is the uh, cool gadget for OSX, right? Yeah, brilliant. Wow. I mean, I wonder if this was always in their game plan or just because gadget just got better and better that they just thought wow let's uh expand it but um uh, gadget is uh it's a great way of working actually it's a brilliant workflow i think that's uh so it's going to be very interesting to see if that workflow moves across to the computer I, I i think it will i think it really will especially if you've got a little uh well i think essentially if you've got a midi keyboard control to it but um there's a bunch of things that are interesting about this, about it. But I mean, well, sadly, it's Mac only, I think. Yeah. That's uh, a shame. And I wonder whether, that, I wonder whether that is just because it's relative, relatively easier to tramp just to to go from ios to mac yeah well i'm guessing that's the path apple want you to take what's interesting about this is the fact that you know we in the same way that we have garage band to logic this Mm. is giving you a similar path i'm assuming you can open and also as as far as i understand it it allows you to uh there are going to be some new gadgets which allow you to actually do record record directly into it yes there's a zurich yeah zurich which is a tape machine um and they've got very nice graphical sort of reel-to-reel look for that um and the good news is that is coming out on iOS, so you will be able to do Ooh. all your recordings into i into gadgets. I wonder how that so will I'm, work because obviously it works in patterns mm. in the kind of like in a set I, patterns and scenes, so there might be a fixed length recording, I guess. Yeah, I think that's what it'll be. I think you'll probably predefine the a little bit like a loop station. You'll predefine the loop length. Um, right. Uh, okay. I'm, I'm, assume, I'm assuming this is entirely speculative, um, but uh, I think. Because the, this workflow, as I was mentioning, is so fluid, actually adding audio functionality makes a lot of sense. And it's also going to be, I think, quite important with Gadget to maintain a platform sort of uh, agnostic parity, thing. Yeah, where right. Parity across the both. I'm not sure if that's the case. In fact, it certainly won't be the case when Gadget OS X, not OS X, Mac OS launches, uh, because certain things and this is a bit of i mean as far as i know the odyssey or odyssey or whatever uh and the wave station and i think they're not going to be available uh, because i should mention all of the gadgets you'll be able to open them as individual right i'm sure they'll get there though rich you look like you want to come in there well I'm I'm confused. I'm going to s- s- lay bare my magnificent ignorance on this because I still don't understand what this thing is or what it does. You compared it to GarageBand and Logic, so I'm wondering: is it a DAW? Is it a platform <laughs> host for synths? It's well. Is it, it something it, that I can use from within my DAW as a plugin? I don't understand the. Product. I think it's it's a, the easiest thing to 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 compare it. To, I think would be Reason. I think it's they like want a, to make like a self-contained DAW out of it. Yes, yes, I think okay. that's probably so. There's so there so it's like a MIDI sequencer. That, and it, but but what it's like a combination of Reason and uh, Ableton Live because it uses a very similar clip launching um, interface as Ableton Live for the sequencer. So they're part sort of, of ledger, leveraging Chaosolator and some other technologies into a sort of a almost platform yeah, of music I, I guess so. and kind of um, yeah one of the things that's quite appealing is is that the little gadgets as they call them are usually fairly restricted synthesizers with only 
uh, only a handful of um, parameters as opposed to the full depth synthesis. That's not entirely the case for some of the th of some of the additional uh, in-app purchases that you can get more sophisticated things. But but all the ones that come with it are all reasonably easy to learn and are quite nice for flavors of particular synths. And I think it's quite a, a, appealing for uh, beginners as well because these. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I would say, I would say I, okay. I would say that I did a uh, a little. Um, I got asked to do some uh, a short spot on the CBC Technology Show um, this week. I don't know when it's going to be going out, but I was quite excited because it's like you know Radio One for for Canada apparently. So, uh, and uh, I, I mentioned because they were saying you know is iOS are is iOS a, a relevant platform for music creating? And Rich, I, one thing I would say is that. Um, Gadget is really easy and fun to use, which is is obviously the primary thing, but it lets you get right. really deep if you want. So you can start by pressing a few buttons and going, hey, this is great, but you can make some really quite complex arrangements. Okay. I think it's the, I get it the fact okay. that... Okay, thank you. I, and certainly on the iPad, one of the things that's absolutely fantastic is that every single control is automatable. And uh, and, and they've got that aspect, and the, the touch editing of the automation is really pretty special. I think that they've absolutely okay. nailed something to do with the UI. Uh, now, that is not going to go across no, to the, not to yeah, the that's Mac interesting. So that's, so that's what's going to be interesting to see. Um, Gaz, uh, Fail Muso in the chat room has just said, uh, in the YouTube chat, said, why would someone uh, buy into the Gadget Mobile desktop paradigm at 299 US dollars? I don't know if that's the price when they can buy Logic Pro and Garage Band. I don't know where that price is. Yeah, I don't I know. It's an interesting question. That is, but I know because it's really, I mean, you've you've kind of said about how great the value is of Logic, and it is really good value, you know, and Garage Band is also very impressive too. So it's definitely, but it's nice to have a different flavour to it. In fact, um, when I was at, yeah. Um, I, I might have said this, I and mean, this is one of the reasons why I bought the MacBook Pro is because I went to an Apple briefing. I don't know if I'm even allowed to talk about it. I suppose I, mean, I didn't make me sign anything, so I don't see why not. And they showed me uh, GarageBand working on an iPad Pro, and it's got loads of really interesting, I think this is either out now or going to be out. I guess it would be out now. They wouldn't show me anything preview. Uh, and it's really got very DAW-like in, in the fact that you can you can actually... Um, insert VST type or AU type plugins now in on tracks, and it's starting to get very not totally indistinguishable, but very for GarageBand now, it's really starting to to show some amazing features that are very DAW like, and and ditto with Logic with the Mac Pro, MacBook Pro using the touch strip and having all of those kind of key commands and metering and being able to swipe along the arrangement. It's just it's all you start going oh yeah, and that that's that's possibly if Gadget get to use the touch bar mm. then that's where because it's this sort of hybrid area and i know it seems gimmicky but it's actually really quite cool when you see it going so i don't know if, rich if you've seen one of those touch bar max and kind of seen how it integrates it's kind of impressive yeah i've seen one it's right here oh you got oh you got one <laughs> i didn't know right that. next to me wow absolutely okay. yeah uh, I haven't used it um, for music creation, and I haven't actually even – I was just thinking I should launch Logic and take a look. Um, I haven't actually done any of that yet, but um, I am. I have big plans for this thing, actually, as regards my uh, aspirations you, with this Roly that's over here what and did the you, synth that's behind what did the you screen get? here. What did you get? Uh, what MacBook did you get? MacBook. Well, I got a 13 because I like 13s, not 15s. And uh, it's – what has it got? Uh, 512 – 
uh, you know, uh, sort of an S- it's not an SSD or whatever it is. It's, just, it's uh, a RAM-based memory. Yeah. Uh, I think I got sixteen gigabytes of actual RAM. Right. And um, the Touch Bar. Yeah. Excellent. Beauty. It's, it's a beauty. It's funny. And an i7 processor. It's it's a pretty souped up. MacBook Pro. It's very nice, actually. Yeah. I'm very I, I mean, I find this one. Uh, you know what? It's taking me a while to get used to typing on it. Ah, uh, yeah. The and keyboard I'm not is sure why. There's less travel it, on the keys, and they are slightly. Because I, what I keep doing is. Uh, it feels like the spacing is different, and I can't. I keep, hit, I keep hitting the forward slash instead of return. I don't know if you find that as well. That's what I keep doing. I don't. Uh, I wish that was my biggest problem, but, but, uh, I'm getting used to it. Well, and also I keep laying on the trackpad, but, but I'm getting used to it. And, uh, I really like it. And, and the speakers actually sound half decent. God, they do, uh, don't they? They're impressive sounding anyway. As compared, as compared to the MacBook Air it's replacing, which I was madly in love with for many years. It was heartbreaking. But, uh, this is a great computer. Yes. Can, can I can I ask about those touch bars? Do you think it's an inevitability that and when we saw something on Create Digital Music uh, that Mac Apple are going to release a typing keyboard with the touch bar as a sort of remote? Oh, that's an interesting idea. I can't see how mm. that. I mean, moving that sort of amount of data over Bluetooth would be kind of difficult. I would, I'm, not sure. I would I'm not sure. I'm not sure it's that high right. density. Right. There's, not, right. there's not that much to it. Most of it's switching. Uh, Roly seaboards are all... Uh, well, that's a lot of yeah. Over a lot of channels. Yeah, that's mm. true. Got, um, one, right, got just, one right here, actually. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Hey. Go, Rich. Oh, anyway, um, Can, but, but yes, cool. sorry. Oh, Gaz, yes. What? Oh, sorry, I just wanted to talk about gadget only in the price. Has that price been confirmed? I have no then? idea. I, I I think it's fair to say that no, I have no confirmation okay. of price. I haven't because I think if it was two nine nine, that, would, that be, would be crazy. That would be too much. Yeah, that would be crazy. I think it really would. So I think let's hope that the price won't be that different from the 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 iOS version. And I wonder if there's going to be a upgrade path for iOS users as well. So. That would be interesting. Yeah, I don't know. And also, if you've bought, if you buy gadget and buy the in-app purchases on the do iOS, they transfer? Yeah, mm. do they transfer? There's a bunch of questions like that that I've yet to see answered. So that's what I'm interested to see. Right. Well, that's fair enough. But uh, yeah, uh, so soon is when it's coming, but we don't know exactly when that might be. Uh, okay. Right. How do you feel about the big knob, guys? Because uh, Mackie have updated their lineup, uh, <laughs> and this, it's really fun. Think. This, I mean, uh, this is. I mean, I know we talked about the Personas Fader port, which was an update after sort of quite a long time, 10 years plus. I think this must be even longer because I remember, I think one of the first videos we ever shot at a show, and it was in London somewhere, was with Woody and the Big Knob. <laughs> and that is a long time ago. So they, they've now updated the version. There's so now, a band name for you. Yeah, but then we've got <laughs> Big Knob Woody Passive. Big Knob. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Yes. That's the show title if ever I want. Woody one. and the Big Knob. I don't know if I've got the, I've got the uh, well, I was going to say the balls to do that, but that's even worse, isn't it? But uh, <laughs> uh, So, yeah, here we are. This is the Big Knob. I mean, uh, and uh, there are three models. There's a, just a passive monitor switching. Uh, there's... Uh, <laughs> 
which is a two by two, two in, two out. Uh, there's uh, or two sets in and two sets out. There's three in and two out, two monitor outs. And then there's this big knob studio, which is four in, so four sources and uh, three out. But it's got a USB audio interface, which is kind of, it's a bit like, the, mm. there was a Behringer thing that was a bit like that, that was kind of useful. Uh, I mean, well, this really sort of throws up the kind of concept of, how how you know because most of us are now working in the box and when we are do, how what are we using to actually control our sets of monitors and all that kind of stuff rich yes are what you, i use right here is uh motu track 16 which i love it's and fantastic. you just reach over and turn up and turn down you know it's got a master it's, volume it's box. right here and everything is it's got great input switching buttons and i, oh, I actually even dig their software interface once you get the hang of it, and uh, it's no, it's really nice. Um, to speak for one minute about this Mackie line of products, Big Knob, um, it serves a very particular need. They're excellent products for the money, and I really like them. And I bought one, like, I don't know, more than 10 years ago for a guy to use as a control room, send, exactly what it was designed to do, a bunch of inputs and some monitor control. And it worked fantastically. It didn't seem to impart any sound or level of cheapness to the sound. Um, and is still being used today. In, uh, that's the Track 16. Capacity. That's the thing that looks a bit like a baby face. Well, no, just yeah, like... that's the one I have here on the desk. Right. And uh, at Niles House, we have a 1971 Neve console being run by a TC um, level pilot knob. <laughs> ah, I've got, that's what I've got. I've got a level pilot. I was going to get onto level that. Level pilot's great. What a great product that is. And I don't even know if they make it anymore, but it's a really, really nice, smooth volume control. It's really great. And we run the console flat out all the time because that's where it behaves the best. And it all sounds great over there. But not many of us have 1971 Rupert Neve designed no, consoles. That's quite, that's quite true. <laughs> wow. I'm just seeing if I find a level pilot. Level pilot is just a simple kind of very nice quality passive aluminium uh, knob with a lot of weight to it it's a uh, i remember because we went to nat this is i must be i don't know several years ago and um they were giving out kind of gifts to the press people and me and andy both got one and i've used it ever since the only thing that mine is slightly there's a slight bit of at one point in the turn but i'm not using it as a master thing and uh, so i'm just trying to bring up a picture of it because i mine i can't reach it so that it will i can show you here we go this is what it looks like it's just that it's basically a couple of xlr tails on uh on a, on a really nice quality passive volume knob beautiful machined knob it's really let's talk a, about a gorgeous knob it's about 60, <laughs> it's about 60 quid you know it's not a cheap thing so uh, or certainly is now i know now, I guess my knob I saw you, may not my knob may not be as gorgeous but it's maybe more functional <laughs> and uh and probably a bit harder as well <laughs> um <laughs> this thing it's called the Palmer Monicon, and I've kindly unplugged it all just to uh -oh. come and demonstrate it. Didn't break passive, anything. Passive controller. It's got yeah. a mute control and a mono control on it and a really nicely weighted volume control. And on the back, it's just XLRs in and out, but actually they're kind of combos on the way in. And one of the lovely little design features is it's got mini jack in and out on there as well. So actually you can use it it's Every, a really quick yeah. way of just kind of getting phones and different things in to a system. Uh, and It's passive, right? 40, yeah, passive. But about 40 quid, and it's beautifully made. I just think it's a really cool little box, that. 
So I thought it'd be I thought it'd be nice to show you that one because, uh, well, I use a few different things. Uh, I've got my KRK Ergo, which is a it's a monitor controller, but it's also a room equalizer thing. We've talked about that before. Um, but but in front of me, I have my Steinberg um, little CMC controllers, and um, when I'm working within Cubase with the control room functionality turned on, the uh, the, the the AI controller, which any Cubase users, honestly, go and get them. I, if you can find any, they are... Yeah, they're brilliant. discontinued now, I think. Those, they're they? well discontinued. But if you were just to find one, that AI controller, because it's just got that big wheel, and that wheel you can toggle what it is from the AI function. If it's the AI function, you just hover it. Whenever your mouse is hovering, you've got a kind of control. Or you can hit it to volume, and you can map all the buttons to do all your control room functionality. I've got mine doing mono and reference level, dim, that sort of thing. Um, but oh, only can... when I'm using it in Cubase. So I'm just looking uh, for, so... a, for a, uh, is that it there? Is that the, 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 the thing in question? Yeah. Ah, okay. That, okay. Any Cubase user. That's, like a, mi that's a MIDI controller, though, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's a MIDI controller. Sorry, that's what I mean. It's yeah. just, but it's 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 doing the function of a control room console, uh, center console. Ah, part, okay. You know. I got you. Uh, only if you're running the Cubase control room functionality. Yeah, oh, I see. So I just well, that, that's that. because there's quite a lot of things that do this now. I mean, you were talking about Emoto Track 16, the uh, the Apollo um, desktop uh, twin and yeah. quad quad that's just been announced. The quad that's just been announced, or mm -hmm. the Mark II, now has a lot more monitor control, and you can use it to control the outputs and uh, alt speaker outputs if you've got more uh, a bigger Apollo system as well. So you end up with kind of, you know, a lot of these things are starting to be built into this kind of stuff too. I don't know. Have you, have you used the Apollo desktop? Have you seen that? That looks really tasty actually i must admit because you get it's a similar concept except obviously you've got the power pluggers i know we're going back to that thing but they've just released an update to it as well ah okay uh oh. it's one of the things that was at the show is the new the mark ii i don't remember the name of it i don't remember it's not called the apollo is it the apollo desktop is that what it's called apollo desktop yes yeah, mark ii okay mark ii's got extra yes. monitors controls and, and various other things in fact we shot a video with uh the guys from UA right. before we right. went out, and uh, we've got one in for review. It's being currently it's being looked at. So, so there's yeah, there's a lot of this stuff about, but it is actually kind of a thing, isn't it? Because it's nothing worse than than uh, not having control of your monitor. It's nice to be able to kind of have something you can reach and grab and mute and all of those things, right? So um, there is there is, and that's why these big knob things are cool because they mm. don't hurt your audio in terms of the passive nature of the volume changing but they give you a lot of switching yeah. options that some people just need and they don't need anything more than that and these products really serve that well yeah yeah i agree that's good can i just say one thing nick just whilst it's on my mind um this thing i got to go with my behringer xr18 and now on the market the midas mr18 has just come out which is exactly the same form factor as the as the Behringer ones, but it's got the upgraded uh, Midas preamps. Um, but one of the uh, benefits to anyone out there who's got any of the XR, the Behringer range, is that the iOS app has just had a major update and loads mm -hmm. of functionality, which was currently locked out, is now available, including DCA groups and mute groups, um, 
the full auto mix capabilities now available on the iOS app. So just thought I'd mention that. I wish they'd cool. do the same on the OS X app as well, because uh, there's a thing that but with the uh, vintage reverb, because I know m- both me and Gaz are kind of avid users of the XR18. I use it a lot. I've got it sat over there. And there's a, there's a thing, and I use it for my live setup. Uh, there's a thing that you can do with the vintage reverb where it's got a freeze function. But... Mm you can only access that via the iOS app. You can't access it. So if I was to program it into a patch, I have to fire up the iOS app, save the patch, because I use the, the OSX app when I'm when I'm programming for live and stuff mm. here because I'm recording. And uh, yeah, so I wish they'd, I'd like them to update that as well, well if they could. S- sim- similarly, I was having an issue that I had to, um, if I needed to set up the, uh, the, bus, uh, the bus sends to be stereo, you couldn't do that on the iOS app. So I'd have to go and connect it to the Mac just to do that but that's all been fixed now glad to hear it so yeah glad to hear it that's good news so rich you were telling me you have been working on some uh, archive and stuff retrieval that's because i mean we should say at this point you know every once in a while we do you know suggest uh, and encourage everybody who's working with digital audio or any kind of thing get your backup sorted out right <laughs> and you're demonstrating yeah. that very uh, that that very living proof of that well um Round about the beginning of the OOs, uh, the accepted uh, mantra for how you would protect your data was to have, in addition to hard drive copies, some form of tape backup. And there were various softwares that were recommended for this purpose. Um, some people used Mezzo. Some people used Retrospect. I uh, fell into the Retrospect camp early on at the recommendation of my friends at Glyph. And so used it over various iterations, over various periods of time to back up projects that were quite often in progress and not finished. There came a point in the late OOs where the product retrospect had been sold between various vendors and they issued an edict at 7.0 that said, we're no longer going to be reading our old catalogs anymore. Ah, uh, what? <laughs> Correct. Like, you know that thing you were relying on for your long-term data storage? That sucks. You may now start feeding those tapes into our new software, which will start attempting to derive new catalogs. And that used to take a long time and not always work, right? Correct. Fraught with data errors and just generally speaking, a nightmarish procedure. I was appalled, and I still am. Um And so my meticulously manicured, I mean, tape uh, collection then went into storage, you know, which was nothing serious, just keeping it, you know, dry and at room temperature and, um, and set for a while. And basically at the end of that process, I took everything I thought we might ever need moving forward from this moment you know, in terms of things we might be continuing to work on and put it into hard drive form and put the rest of it into boxes and put it away. Some years passed, you know, Wayne's World. As they do. (laughs) And, uh, And this data has now been sitting for, I don't know, close to 10 years. And it became a, a conversation point between myself and a buddy of mine who works for Michael Bolton. And uh, we can have another discussion about Michael Bolton. But anyway, um, we're both involved in data restoration. And he started telling me about his attempts and how he had a whole rig worked up that 
was doing this and running an early version of OS 10 and also OS 9 and versions of retrospect and versions of mezzo and he's he's basically got different recall parameters than I've got and he was going to be done with it pretty soon and uh I was welcome to borrow it and so it's sitting right over there oh, on neat. the table and um I've been spending my last few days with tapes that were begun as early as 1999 so that's an 18 going on 18 years old AIT data backup tape in a rotating head cassette shell. You know, in other words, it goes into a rotating head mechanism that tears it open, rips the tape out of there, winds it around a rotating head drum. It's, yeah, if you've ever seen the inside of a rotating uh, head design, it's one of the most frightening mechanical devices known to man. <laughs> um, the fact that it works at all is a small miracle. And over the last two days, I have had a better than 99% uh, success rate in restoring these tapes wow. from almost 20 years ago. And now, if I remember correctly, because I used to do, I used to use uh, Retrospect, and I used to uh, get people to do the same thing and have tape drives. They were, we used the little DAT type, uh, DAT, DAT data drives. The mm -hmm. thing that was the real problem was storing the catalogs because the catalogs get really big, don't they? And they're the, they're the sort of local reference file of what's on the tape, right? There is a, there's a, there's a file on in your computer operating system. In my case, it was Apple's operating system that represents the catalog contents of what's in that tape. Yeah, yeah. There are also catalogs and snapshots being written to the tape by the retrospect software. And when you come to restore, say, a, a six-tape catalog, you know, a six-tape backup of something that you've made that has been evolving over years and years and years, and you go to restore it, there's no one command that says, bring back everything. Yeah. You've got to peel through those snapshots one at a time and make sure you haven't missed anything and make sure you're trying not, you know, you're trying not to duplicate it because otherwise you'll be there for the rest of your life. Um and uh, yeah, and you basically have to peel through it. And I developed uh, it was the second second backup set that I developed the methodology that I had to go back and employ for the first one. It took me a minute to figure out how to make sure I wasn't missing anything. Yeah, and, no, uh, I, I I just remember it being a really cumbersome. I mean, it it made you feel more secure because hard drives were so expensive and tapes were relatively cheap compared. I mean, the tape drive itself used to cost a fortune. I mean, and and now, I mean, are you using? I tried. Hard drives don't have any kind of serious shelf life. No, I suppose. They don't. And the manufacturers will tell you as much. They don't guarantee them for long-term storage. We don't we have a real problem. <laughs> I gotta tell you, hmm. with what's gonna happen to the record of this time period in history, because it's almost all on some form of magnetic media that's gonna wear out. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I I don't have a solution to that. I mean, I try and use the cloud, <laughs> um, which which presumably they rotate all of that stuff to a degree. Uh, and Dropbox and all this. What I mean, what are you? Because we're generating a lot of data. I mean, at least we're not into video. That, I, mean, I guess I, you can print I that. I think there's going to be a way to embed it into human DNA, the entirety, <laughs> of, the, the entirety of the internet embedded into human DNA. They haven't quite figured out how to do it yet, but then it'll just exist in all human... Well, if humans keep on existing. I don't know. Maybe something like that. Um, I've been busy looking at my uh, multicoloured... Enelopes. Oh, lovely. You can't back up anything to those, unfortunately. But uh... <laughs> um, yeah. I, I, so, are you like me? Do you just do the two drive trick, where you just have a pair of working drives and you sync one to the other at every? I just 
I just delete everything as I go. Everything at the end of the session, I just delete everything. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm real. I'm, 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 a, I'm a Zen studio. I'm a Zen studio <laughs> master. Self of his earthly possessions. Wow. <laughs> 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 uh, I, Rich, I, I noticed you were holding up three fingers there because presumably you have one off site. I, I, one of ours is usually off site, so. Well, there you go. But three and two of them on site and one of them off site. I, I've, I've got now. Basically, every time I buy a drive to use for something, you buy, for, you buy three. I buy two of them. No, I buy two of those, and I also have a a RAID array somewhere, and so the RAID array kind of aggregates everything. And the two are the are the working pair that get constantly synchronized, right? Uh, still, can, still cheaper than two inch tape, anyway. So, <laughs> yeah, right, right. And, and the data density. I mean, the funny thing is, I'm restoring these backups, and they're, you know, I can recall when AIT two Turbo got up to like sixty five gigabytes on a single tape, and you, I don't think you could buy a sixty five gigabyte drive at the time. I think you were down around the eighteen gigabyte level at that moment. Yeah. And, um as the big one, you know? So that was like the big kahuna of storage right there. That was like, you just bought a, you know, whole storage facility with keys and garage doors, you know? And now it's like, you know, a pittance. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Gaz, were you serious about deleting everything? No. What do you do do then? Do you, I mean, do you, do you have a pair of drives or three? I mean, how do you do it? I'm using, uh, I'm, I, I, I use a physical backup and I use, I've got a, um, one of those Apple things that does, uh, the backs up, uh, time, time machine. Right, so, time. so, but I, I don't just use time. I've got the time machine going, but I don't trust it. So any projects I am, I back up, but I also, every client I work with, I always insist that they buy a hard drive and, take a and copy. share the burden, share the burden, you know? And so, so the data always exists in you know different uh, two places, different places. Uh, Nick, I know it's not a topic, but you know that reverb that's been released today uh, is well worth talking about. I think. No, the, uh, tell me. The free, it's a, it's a free one. It's a, and there's a few things that's interesting about it. Uh, Tufelsberg. Sorry if I'm saying that wrong. Oh, towering Berlin. Is that the towering? Is this, yes. Is that this one? Oh, let's have a listen yes. then, quick. Yeah, so it's a free uh, oh. convolution reverb. Oops, hold on. If I do that, well, that sounds very authentically old, platey and uh, springy. <laughs> I, I, I hesitate uh, to play it. Yeah, carry on. The, so the building itself was used as a listening post during the Cold War in Berlin. Ah, and yes. It was abandoned, I think. And it looks like that a, guy. A, a... Well, actually, it looks like a big knob and balls, actually, when you see it from some <laughs> angles. Um, <laughs> speaking of big knob. Um, but uh, it's it's been abandoned since, I think, what, 1991 or something. And uh, But it's just got really incredible acoustics. So they've taken, I think, six different impulses from there and bundled it up into a little plug-in, which is just like a simple convolution reverb. But what is interesting is that that, and that's free, and it's being made by Balance Mastering, who yeah, are balancemastering.com, yeah. So they're giving it away for free. But what's quite interesting is it's built on the Juice platform as well. And ah, yeah, which is what Roly own, isn't it? That's right, they bought that. Yes, and we've been sort of expecting this, which is um, very easily built plugins. So this could be the start of something uh, quite interesting. Um, so this plugin, uh, you know, it's quite a simple little thing, but um, 
I bet it'll, I haven't tried it yet, but I bet it'll be in, an, an interesting little tool to have, certainly for free. I, I, I'm, I'm interested to see just how well it works. Uh, um, yeah, how, okay. Well, so you, you want to go to balancemastering.com, yeah. and I guess it's uh, I, I, it was a news item, but I didn't write that today, so that's why I was uh, completely oblivious to the existence <laughs> of said free plugin. But yeah, well worth it. And you can, it looks like you can get uh, free impulse responses as well by the looks of things, so you can get, uh, a, you know, add to the impulse response set we they released that and it looks like there's maybe more that they could yeah there's there's maybe other ones coming which kind of looks cool that looks really useful good call good call right um uh oh yeah there was the did you see the non-linear labs thing uh yes i did that's let me get to that this is the synth engine I, we saw this actually at uh uh, let me see audio and video. We saw this at uh, Superbooth last year, and this is Stefan Schmidt and Associates who've created this. What was at the time seemed like an incredibly expensive, but sort of uh, designed to be very sensitive instrument. I'm just trying to see if I've got what the. Let's see if we can play one of these again. It's probably going to hum. Let's That's one of them. There's another interesting sound here. It's capable of a really wide array of sounds, and this guy's a great player. And it's essentially a two-oscillator system, but it uses kind of some quite complex feedback loops and processing. You get these kind of real um, couple of strong slash FM tones, all sorts of things, and it's very, very sensitive, and he's got these very long kind of strips for control as well. That looks fun. I, I I remember. I think we shot a video with Stefan, and he was very nervous and wasn't very comfortable being on video. So I I, I didn't use it because it, you know I wanted to kind of make sure that it came across <laughs> well because it was because it's a really expensive thing, or it was at the time. And they were talking about um, selling it in terms of le- leasing it a bit like a piano, you know, so that you would pay to, to to use the machine, but also making it. So it was a very different thing. But as far as I know, it's sort of built slightly on the concept of uh, a reactor kind of development. Let's have a look graphical. Uh, synthesis engine. I see if I can find the. Uh, there's an image here. So on the face of it, it, looks very simple. So you get a couple of oscillators and shapers, plus feedback mixes and uh, additional effects, comb filter and a state variable filter. So you can get an awful lot of stuff. I know, Rich, you've just gone for the Roly approach, which is a, an alternative input method and playing method rather. But this, I mean, it, it, I have to say, it looked like a very beautiful thing and beautifully made and really kind of quite, uh, quite an attractive thing. Yes, it really does look like a performance instrument to me. And um, I was really enjoying watching them operate it in the videos. I didn't see it personally. I've never seen it. But it looks like it's really nicely built. From a sound standpoint, it reminds me kind of of the phase modulation FME kind of world that Casio and Yamaha used to um, uh, inhabit. And But then it does a lot more than that. But it all... It doesn't sound like an analog modeled synth. No. And it sounds great, but it doesn't sound like an analog model synth. No, it, it definitely like doesn't. Something completely else. And uh and it sounded wonderful and they have a whole I don't know, I watched like I don't know, ten or fifteen 
playing demos today just to listen to what the thing sounded like. And it really sounds great. It does. And all the things it does well, it does them very well. Absolutely. And it's it, it reminds me a little bit of that kind of concept of, you know, when the Fairlight and the uh, the Synclavier were around, where these expensive pre- prestige instruments, you know, it sort of it, it feels like there's a niche for that kind of thing, perhaps. It, it's a little bit like Synclavier FM in a way. In right. terms of the, the the presentation, the audio presentation that you get, um, it's it's actually beyond what the Synclavier FM could do, um, probably significantly. They've got interesting pitch bending devices that they use. They've got an interesting ribbon that they can use in various ways. It's it looks like, and it's got a nice piece of wood. <laughs> it looks like it's a really <laughs> it's nice got piece wood. Of wood it's Let me have a look. Oh, we're back to wood again. Is it for sale? Uh, I believe it's going to be soon. I mean, because they were some way down the line, uh, some way off when I okay. first saw it. I think that if, if I show you a picture of it here, if I remember correctly, this top panel, the sort of programming panel, is separate mm-hmm. to this. So you can have just the instrument mm-hmm. uh, and you can uh, you can add this additional kind of uh, uh, control thing on the top. But, the, you know, you don't necessarily need the top panel. I'm just looking to see. Yeah, uh, uh, we've started production of a first series, which will be available in March 2017. So, I'm okay, hoping, soon. I'm hoping, so yeah. Well, I'm hoping we'll get to we'll see it at Superbooth because they're based in Berlin as well, as far as I can tell. Okay, and any idea of cost? No. Uh, when I asked uh, Stefan uh, before, it was it was mm-hmm. upper end. You know, it was right up there, sort of Roly Seaboard when that first came, Roly Seaboard Grand when it first came out, and mm. beyond. Uh, but I don't know whether that's still the case because I, I wouldn't want to say the, the price because it might be wrong mm-hmm. and I don't want to kind of, you know, but yeah, it was expensive, but built okay. unashamed, uh, sort of right. unashamedly so, I suppose. Mm. If I may, the, uh, related to the Roly, because you've asked, you've mentioned it now three times and I'm <laughs> chomping at the bit, uh, there is a <laughs> synth called Strobe 2 by F Expansion, who I guess are probably, you know, down the hall from Roly or something. I don't know if it's the same company or they bought, they know uh, each other. Or... Roly bought F Expansion. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. So they have a synth called Strobe 2 that's just released a new version of their synth that includes 200 patches ready to go with five dimensions of modulation. And I've got the thing in front of me on screen right now, and it's a heck of a lot of fun. It also isn't an analog synth, but it's a heck of a lot of fun. And uh, I'm well, really I, enjoying, I, and it. I, I think, but the, as a wider point, I mean, that's one of the things I've just done this or m- mostly completed the system eight review, and that's the one thing that uh, I said it's like I don't care if it is or it isn't really. I mean, it's it's analog modeled, right. but it still sounds good. So, I mean, I think that that's yeah. we just got to you know mm-hmm. need to get Instru- away from that, really. It sounds great, is it an instrument? Yeah, that's the instrument. thing. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah. If it feels fun to play connected to this thing. It feels like enormously fun to play, can, and there's just a whole lot of variation you can get right off of your hands. How's, how's well, your te- uh, which model did you get, Rich? The, the, the Roly? Uh, Seaboard yeah. uh, 49, I guess it's 49. How, Rise. How's your technique Rise. coming on? Rise. Uh, my mm. technique is improving, thank you. I'm working hard. I'm playing it constantly. <laughs> I can't stop playing it. It's really, it's got me... It's got me hooked. Excellent. Wow. I just, I'm now think struggling to figure out how I'm going to use it with anything other than the software that's designed to play these sounds. But for the moment, I'm having a really good time with their synth equator and with this synth strobe too. And I want to try diving into 
a few other areas like contact and omnisphere and see if I can get good control of it. it the, the trick here, I don't know if it's obvious, but the trick here is that the thing is transmitting pretty much on up to 16 MIDI channels at a time, depending on how many notes you're playing, because each note has its own full channels worth of expression dimensions so that they won't conflict with any other note you're holding. So you basically, like if I wanted to record a simple melody in Studio One, I had to put 16 MIDI tracks into record to <laughs> yeah. record a, a simple melody. So there, there's a trick to getting used to accommodating that much expression. And I'm still getting the, hand, the handle on that. But uh, as far as the actual keyboard technique part's going, it's, uh, I'm having a blast. It's interesting. When I reviewed the Seaboard uh, Rise, uh, I remember I used um, Reaper and I just put it into uh, Omni mode. So a, a single track just recorded everything, which is fine. But it, the, the, the trick is, the problem is with, uh, with the way that a DAW works with this level of expression is when you look at the data and maybe you want to edit some stuff, it's completely meaningless because there's just so much of it and it's not laned in a way that you would understand. So if you wanted to kind of tinker with a performance, it would probably be quicker just to play it again. Per notes. Well, what about Cubase's per note uh, expression editing? I don't know. I don't know whether that uh, is, is compatible. You may well be right. That would be interesting to find out, sure. It may, there so. may be. I I don't, it I've never looked, but there may be info on Roly's site about that. They have pretty comprehensive interfacing instructions for a lot of things okay well that's worth checking out um i suppose we're now it feels like we're kind of now uh, uh, at, at the end of our uh, of our journey through this uh, <laughs> rather rambling set of topics that i provided this week i will try and do better next time but i, I hope it's been of uh, of, of I'll, fun yeah, for I'll you guys as well <laughs> it <obviously>. sure has <laughs> and, well good i'm very glad to hear that and uh, i want to say thank you very much to uh, all our viewers on uh, youtube live had a big people in here to a big amount of people in here today thank you very much for watching and also uh, we'll try and get the irc stuff working again for you uh, next week for those people that like to be there uh, and uh, I want to say thanks to our sponsors don't forget if you want to enter the competition all you need to do is you go on Twitter and you tweet the hashtag the mix champ at one word and the hashtag neutron n-e-u-t-r-o-n to at sonic state and at isotope inc and then you'll be automatically entered to the competition to win isotopes neutron which uh, i can heartily recommend so uh it just really comes to say um thank you very much to my guests uh rich hilton thank you very much for joining us this week it's been a pleasure to have you aboard as ever Thank you for having me. Always great. You're more than welcome. And also, Mr. Gaz Williams uh, there as well. Thank you for joining us too. Uh, thanks. Brilliant. Lots of fun. Amazing. Excellent. I've so, uh, really well, enjoyed it. We'll probably say goodbye. Well, we will say goodbye now because I will end the show. Uh, thank you very much, everybody, for watching. Uh, we'll see you next time. Don't forget, subscribe. We're still trying to get that 100K. So if you haven't, please do. Please. <laughs>